Welcome to the Rhythms Podcast. My name's Hannah. And my name's Chris. This is a podcast about exploring the rhythms, patterns, and habits that bring joy and add richness to our everyday lives. From daily habits to embracing the changing seasons, it's not about mindless routines, but patterns with purpose. It's about making something special out of something ordinary. If you're someone who wants to move beyond just being more efficient or productive and instead find ways to infuse your days with small, familiar moments that matter, then you've found two new friends with the same goal. Every episode, listen in as we share a reflection on the role of rhythms in our lives. Join our conversation as we unpack this idea further and then spend a moment with us considering how that rhythm could shape or add richness to our lives today. This is episode 6, slowing down at 500 kilometres an hour. I recently found myself on an unexpected flight. I mean, I got on it consciously, and I was meant to be there, but travel for me is usually planned months or at least weeks in advance. I happened to be on this flight because of a failed road trip. I'd woken up the day before intending to drive with my sister and brother-in-law from Carpeti to Auckland to see a show. The musical, Hamilton. Excitement levels were high. Unfortunately, sickness got in the way. On the morning of the road trip, I woke barely able to leave my bed, let alone the house, for a seven-hour car trip. So the others left, and I was left behind, unsure of what was going to happen next. Thankfully, I have a mother who is very good at deciding what happens next, and who travels a lot. So that afternoon, a flight was booked for me for early the following morning. The next morning, a miracle had occurred and I was well enough to make the trip. So I began with the hour-long drive to the airport. Now, I don't know about you, but my favourite thing about an airport is the people. I'm a lot like my dad, but I differ from my father here because his favourite thing is to watch the planes. I love to watch the people. It's fascinating to consider where they might be headed, why they're going there, who they're travelling with or to. I need the distraction of this habit actually because I don't find an airport the most comfortable place to be. There's a lot of waiting around, hoping to find a seat, trying not to take up too much space, worrying I've left something behind or somehow missed my flight, or that I'll be caught with something in my bag I shouldn't have. This trip, however, my luggage was checked, which was awesome because I also dislike having to squeeze a large overnight bag through the narrow aisle of the plane, desperately hoping that there's still space in the overhead locker. It was checked in, so I had very few belongings to keep track of. Plus, I was in a tiny airport where you don't even have to go through security. Plus, I had plenty of time. I was good. I could enjoy this wait for my flight. Now I often plan ahead for these sorts of trips, and in the short time I did actually have to plan for this flight, I downloaded a couple of episodes of a show and ensured my current audiobook was downloaded onto my phone. But as usually happens, these pieces of media didn't interest me as I sat waiting in the departure lounge. Instead, what grabbed my attention was the fellow waiting passengers all around me. So I tucked my phone away in my pocket and planned to listen to that audiobook or watch those episodes later during the 70 minute flight. And instead, I watched, and I waited, and I wondered. Jump forward an hour, and the lounge's overhead speaker comes to life with the sound of an attendant calling me and the other however many passengers for our flight. We line up and wait, slowly moving towards the gate so we can scan our tickets. Then, we slowly follow the long line of people, 
waiting to walk across the tarmac and up the stairs to our little aircraft. We slowly climb the stairs and wait to show our tickets to the flight attendant. And again, we wait. And slowly make our way along the aisle to our allocated seats. And for those of us in seats A or D, we wait for the person seated next to us to jump out of their seat so that we can get past and into our seat. And then we settle in and we wait for the other passengers to board, for the flight attendants to walk along and check our seat belts, for the doors to be closed and for the familiar request to please remove our headphones and give our full attention to the safety briefing. And then finally we're free to get to those episodes of that audiobook or podcast, to our reading or work or conversation, whatever it is we want or have planned to do. And so what do I do? Nothing. <laughs> this is actually a consistent pattern in my life. I find it hard on a plane to get settled into something, whether it's a one hour or 15 hour flight. Maybe it's the awkward feeling of not being able to control much of anything while crammed into this ATR-72. We're at the mercy of this aircraft, this captain and crew, this control tower. It's uncomfortable. Or perhaps it's the distracting hum of the engine, or the fact that I can't properly smell anything. My senses are a bit muffled. I'm not sure, but whatever the reason, I plan to catch up on that show, to read that book, to listen to that new podcast, and instead, like in the departure lounge, I end up sitting and thinking. We've discussed before on this podcast how slowing down and being present often opens the door to observation and active listening to others and to ourselves. Being on this flight, I'm forced to slow down. And other than the aforementioned episodes in audiobook, I'm cut off from the usual steady stream of information and entertainment that's available from that device in my back pocket. I don't know about you, but in my regular life, in the waiting rooms or at the bus stops or on the lunch breaks, when I've got a free moment, I will fill the moment. Scrolling is a mindless pattern that has encroached on much of my life. Now hear me. I'm not hating on the internet or social media or content creators. But while I sit 30,000 feet in the air on this unexpected flight, I remember how much I love this. This feeling of space and quiet, despite the very lack of physical space and quiet. How up here, things seem to move more slowly, though I'm travelling at close to 500 kilometres an hour. How 70 minutes suddenly seem a lot longer, in a good way. I'm not lost in endless reels or news stories or messages. Instead, I get lost in the thoughts and world in my own head. And as I become conscious to how lovely this is, I start to notice and observe what I'm noticing and observing. In these observations, they help me glimpse a little of what's important to me, what I value. They inspire me. And by the end of this flight, I think I know me a little better. I notice the hospitality of the airline staff, the behavior of fellow passengers, the interactions and eye contact, and in doing so I notice how I perceive these, revealing some of my values and expectations around acknowledging people, manners, hospitality. I notice that I can't help but accept a sweet. I love the familiar taste that takes me back to being a kid and I feel disappointed when the green ones aren't an option. 
I hold on to it until we start descending, knowing that sucking on the lolly will help my soon-to-be-blocked ears. I notice what should be obvious, that you can't hurry a flight, can't try and take a quicker route, or overtake someone, or speed just a little bit. I notice how this is something I can't control, and that it's okay, even for me, a control freak. I notice the article titles of the in-flight magazine, the design features on people's clothing, the shapes of the aircraft. I notice how these inspire me. Ideas for creative projects start snowballing. I observe, as if from a bird or aircraft's view, inspiration striking. I notice how I quickly skim the magazine, much the same way I do media on my phone, finding it hard to slow down enough to actually read the articles and consider where I'd like to travel, the experiences I dream of having. I notice how I have time, so much time and nothing to do. So I go back and actually read the magazine cover to cover and enjoy it. I wonder and think back trying to remember when the last time I actually fully enjoyed and was present to a magazine was. I notice the way I fidget, how my body feels, how my back hurts, how my thoughts race and slow down, seeming to come all at once and then settling. I notice that my fingernails have grown and seem to be breaking a lot less. I notice the songs playing in my head and wonder where they've come from. And as I type out these thoughts and observations, I notice how often I incorrectly spell words. How lazy I've become at typing as I rely on autocorrect. I notice how I can't stop gazing out the window at the tiny towns and villages, the isolated homes in the hills. How I can't help imagining living in the middle of nowhere. I notice how much this idea of being cut off, a bit like I am in this moment, appeals. I wonder what it is exactly about that which appeals. What causes me to imagine googling one of these tiny places and dreaming up a life there? And after all that, as our 70 minutes end, and we're asked to stow our bags and our trays to take our seats, and we land in the big city, full of people and cars rushing here and there, I find myself not in a rush to take my phone off flight mode. I feel a little sad as I see the passengers around me disappearing back into their devices. I realise that I have spent the last few hours present to myself in a way I often find so hard to be. A luxury that has come from this slowness. This waiting. This cut-offness. And as we wait to stand, to squeeze back slowly down the narrow aisle, to disembark and slowly follow the trail of people across the tarmac, as we wait for our luggage, and then I slowly walk behind the masses of people to wait for my ride outside, I wonder how I can find more moments like these lovely ones that I've had, cut off way up in the air today. Lost not in the endless scroll, but in my own thoughts. I wonder, and it dawns on me, as it probably has you, listener of this podcast, an answer. Rhythms. So, Chris, are you a plane watcher or a people watcher? Mm, what do you think? Well, I think you are quite an observant person, so I think my guess would be that you like to watch people. I do, but I think planes are uh, quite interesting, so I would. I think I'm in the plane 
Okay. Category. Okay. You, um, you're my plane Jane. You and my dad can go hang out and watch some planes sometime. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like fun, actually. I'd do that. You live in a great place for plane watching, like near an airport. True. So. Yeah, and, and plane hearing as well. True. Actually, I know a couple of times you've said, oh, wait, just a second, hold the recording. I can hear a plane. And occasionally we'll uh, drive up to the hill overlooking uh, the runway and just watch them touch down. Mm, yeah, nice. Yeah, My dad some, Something that. romantic about them, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I think even more than a people watcher, which I identify as, clearly, I don't know if you could, like, relate to anything in my what I wrote in the reflection, but I think even more than watching people, what I love is that, like, being cut off and really, like, introspective and, like, being able to yeah. think. And so yeah. when I had this experience on this flight recently, I couldn't help but think, oh, I need this. And then because we'd started work on this podcast, I was like, right, this is good content right here. There's something about travel, I think, because it's such a rhythm breaker mm. and it changes what we do day to day because, you know, you might get up really early for a flight mm-hmm. and you'd have to transfer, like depending where you're going or what you're doing. And I think maybe that's why we get what the travel bug is, right? It's it's a sort of change in routine or change in rhythm mm. that maybe some people really crave. Yeah. But definitely there's different layers to what traveling does to us, like biologically, I think, um, in terms of like how time zones work with our bodies, but also like mentally. And, and I think one of those layers is the sense of you're on the ride, whether you want to be or not. And you're kind of forced into this new state of being, this temporary new state of being. Yes, where you're like, you're cut off exactly from everything that's normal, really. And you're at the mercy of this system, this crew, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things that are out of your control suddenly. And you have to kind of adapt to that. Yeah. And so I think like what I, like I started off and I think this hopefully comes through in the reflection. I started off a bit uncomfortable, but this happens really regularly as I start off like a bit nervous and uncomfortable, like, oh, I don't want to be in the wrong place at the wrong time or whatever. And then in the end I go, oh my gosh, I actually love this. And this was the whole idea is how can I bring this feeling into my everyday life? And the answer, of course... If you listen to this podcast, you're with us as rhythms. And just for those who are tuning in maybe for the first time, our definition of a rhythm or one of the definitions is that a rhythm is a pattern or a habit or a tradition that adds richness or warmth to something that's familiar, familiar loveliness. Yeah. Don't you just feel like days with familiar loveliness sounds like how you want to live your life? Sometimes. (laughs) I don't know. Some some rhythms, it feels like, is this lovely or am I just tolerating this? Yeah, see, but that maybe it's not a rhythm. Maybe it's a bad habit True. or a mundane routine. I don't know. Because I think a rhythm, like a routine or a habit, but a rhythm helps us get where we need to go and enjoy getting there. I think that makes the difference between just like a routine or a habit or a pattern and a rhythm. A rhythm's got like a little bit more soul to it. I wonder if there's a bit of that same romanticism with travel from like the early days of rail travel like trains there's this whole genre of the great train journey yeah it's even slower than a plane but there's a sense of richness especially if you're traveling through maybe like really scenic countryside or if you're on like a really long journey and you're kind of just forced to be in your carriage or 
Yeah. You know, you get a couple of carts here and there, but. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but like I do tend to like romanticize or like have this ideal dream scenario when I think about an upcoming holiday or even like a seasonal holiday, like Christmas or something. Like I think the picture in my head is like of the beautiful montage of the holiday or the trip or whatever. And it reminds me of this quote that someone shared with me. I actually shared it on our Instagram a couple of weeks ago, which I don't know who said this. There's no, it's not credited to anyone, but the quote is, you got to start romanticizing your life you got to start believing that your morning commute is cute and fun, that every cup of coffee is the best you've ever had, that even the smallest and most mundane things are exciting and new. You have to because that's when you start truly living. That's when you look forward to every day. And as soon as I read that, I was like, aha, yes, this is speaking to rhythms. It almost sounds like your life needs to be a Wes Anderson movie, just beautiful and full of color and highly symmetrical. That is the dream. <laughs> yeah. So definitely there's a sense that travel forces us to do rhythms that are different from what we normally do. And I think what stood out to me, Hannah, in your reflection is that the act of traveling kind of caught you off guard in the sense that it forced you into submission to this process. Yeah. Like, how did that feel? It was unexpected because the plan had been that I was going to be sitting in this car trip, right? Like this seven hour car trip. So of course, on a car trip, you have a little bit more control. You're not cut off from the internet. So to have suddenly been in this much more physically tight space and time frame. You know, there's no stopping in Topo for a real fruit ice cream on your flight. And you are cut off from the internet, from the scroll. And I want to talk about that, the scroll and the influence that has in my life. So yeah, I think I did it. Like I said, I originally felt a bit uncomfortable, but I should have known because this happens every time I fly. Like seriously, I was crammed into this tiny airplane next to someone I had never met. There's hardly any space. There's no quiet because there's this roar of this aircraft's engine. And yet I felt like I was just in this little world in my head and it was a lovely place to be. So it was, yeah, I loved it and I do love it. And how can I go to that place more often. Because like I said as well, I honestly feel like I knew myself a little bit better by the end. I could feel myself acknowledging unconscious parts of my thinking as I was noticing and observing things. Like one that I named in the reflection that is really important is, you know, you watch the people as the flight attendant comes down to offer you a beverage or whatever. You watch how different people interact with the flight attendant. And as I was sort of like internally judging I suppose people's interactions I became aware that I have quite a high value around like eye contact and acknowledging people and saying thank you and yeah like seeing you know the movie Avatar I see you that's what they say right I've I've never seen it Chris you're a New Zealander no, you live I've never, I know. in Wetterland I, I, how is this possible yeah. I'm 10 minutes from a beautiful cinema and I've never seen it. I haven't even, I haven't seen the second part either. Your neighbours like made this movie. If the, the Kiwi yeah, like ones. Literally, <laughs> literally down the road from me. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, Sorry. I'm pretty sure what they say. I'm like, I love it, but I've only seen it once. But I'm pretty sure they say to each other, I see you. And that became really obvious to me is like saying that to someone with your actions was really important. Mm. And that's helpful, I think, for me to know. And it was only because I was like, slowed down, not caught up in my phone, but just like really present in the moment that I became aware of that thinking and that feeling. I have a follow-up question. Did you have headphones on? 
I think I had headphones on, but I didn't listen to anything. I think I realized halfway through the flight, oh, I haven't actually started listening to my audiobook, um, but I'd put my headphones in in preparation. So I work in a busy part of town and I see a lot of people, and I'm in this group as well, who have headphones on and they're just on a mission. You know, they're in their lane, they're moving quickly, and there's just this subtle, very subtle, if you look carefully, you see it, indication that, you know, they're not ready to be talked to. We sometimes, in my family, we call you the zombies walking through town. The zombies, yeah. You can see it in another little habit that we do with our phones where we're zombies and we just, you know, get the double zombie where they're just walking and also on the, yes. doing the scroll. But yeah, and like, that's, the, I'm not, that's not a bad thing. No, I'm not judging. Just you're going where, you're going where, to, where you want to go, but it's one of these subtle social cues that have emerged in the rise of technology that it's just this closing off of ourselves, you know, and this indication that we're not really or approachable, ready to be talked to. So that's why I was curious about the whether you had your headphones on in the plane, right. whether that changed your perception of where you were. I'm trying to think if in my regular life, when I have my headphones in, if I have, feel like I've got kind of a little barrier up, potentially, like when I'm moving around my workplace, if I'm sitting, sometimes I have to work at like a little AV desk, and if I have my headphones on there, I kind of just assume that people aren't going to interrupt me or disrupt me, I suppose is what it is. Right. But because I'm usually using my earpods, a lot of the time people don't actually realize. So they just start talking and then I'm like, oh, sorry, try to remove them. And there's just like different values, right? Like, so for some people that are on this flight, they just don't want to be disrupted, you know? So they are kind of just like, they're not looking, they're, si they're doing everything they can. They're wearing the headphones, they're not looking, they're signaling, actually, I don't want to interact with you. And that's so fine, but it's just revealing to me in this situation that it is important to me in those moments to acknowledge people and not everyone is going to have the same values as me. I wonder if it was surprising for you because it's just the default now. For me, I've never actually thought about it, but the default state for me on a plane or some sort of transport other than maybe the car is to have the headphones on and the phone or something going, yeah. you know, audiobook, music, and the fact of just sitting in the plane and just being surrounded by the noise of the engine and the activity of the people working the crew is just not the default. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm thinking about that now and I'm realizing some friends of mine who are older, like in their 70s and 80s, I know from stories that they've told me that they often talk to people on planes. Like there's a family friend of ours who travels all the time and she often will say, oh, I was talking to this delightful young man who was seated next to me on the flight. But of course, <laughs> she's not like, reading a book on her phone or watching Netflix or whatever. So maybe it is like from another time. But now that we've got these like portable entertainment devices or work stations or whatever they are in our pockets or in our laps, yeah, it's changed. And there's a sense of we need to maximize every part of our time by maybe doing something and that not doing something, not slowing down is seen as inefficient or not a good use of time. The great irony of us saying this is I'm sure half or more of our audience will be listening to this on some sort of public <laughs> transport with their headphones That's on. That's so true. So maybe pause it for like five minutes and just be present in the bus or in the car, but come back because the rest of the show is good. That's true. That's a good little homework. Just have a little break from... Hannah and Chris talking about how they judge people, mostly just me, <laughs> and then come back. 
Do you reckon there's value in, like, maybe this is a lesson, maybe for you in particular, Hannah, because you love having your life so rhythmic, in actually breaking a rhythm. So in this case, you broke out from what you might normally do in this situation and found something even more fulfilling or rich. Like, you found a better rhythm by breaking the initial rhythm. Yeah, true. Yeah, you're right. Like, by doing something new, that's often when we can discover a way of being or like a rhythm that we can bring more into our life. Yes, that's true. And so I'm going to take that as a sign that I should book an overseas holiday or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm interested in the sense of rigidity, like keeping and adhering to rhythms and whether they can be not helpful when we just don't step out of comfort zones as well. And also I had a real interesting conversation about the pod and my friend Connor asked me whether there was a line between a rhythm and a superstition because rhythms are like these repeated little patterns and habits and things. And he wondered, oh, well, like, what's the difference between a rhythm and, say, like, stepping over the cracks on a concrete pavement or, you know, like, having to have the same spoon every day? And, like, I thought that was a really interesting question. I'll tell you what I told him and maybe you can chime in. But I think I said to Connor that the level of belief changed the value of the rhythm. So I used the example of the knife. Do you remember the knife that you looked for to spread the butter, the marmite? Yes, I looked for it this morning. Yes. I think I said that you believe that that knife is the most efficient way to spread butter on your toast. But maybe what elevates it to a superstition is maybe I believe that if I use this knife that the toast will taste better. Yes. Or that it will change magically in some way. Um, I believe with no real empirical proof that this knife will make it taste better. I think that's like such a cool question. And yes, I think you um, like talked about the difference really well. I also think in this situation, another reason that I like to use that knife is it's from the cutlery set from my childhood. So there's hardly any pieces of that set left. So yes, it does help me to be more efficient with spreading the perfect amount of Marmite on my toast. And it brings back... Memories. There's like nice memories. Exactly. Whereas superstition, I think, evokes a sense of unfounded or unseen belief in something that you don't have any control over. So I think we got there in the end. But like, I really appreciated the question. And I, I love that Connor was like thinking about the difference between a rhythm and something else. And I think we could potentially mistake different people's rhythms for like weird superstitions if we don't understand it. And we won't always, but it's fun to like wonder about, well, why, I wonder why they always do that. Or I wonder why they always take that route. Or I wonder why they always use that mug. Yeah. And there'll be people listening to our rhythms or our lifestyles and thinking, well, oh, that's weird. Totally. I think the cool thing about rhythms is that we ascribe what we want to ascribe to them. So if we believe that something is valuable in our life that's worth finding the richness in. Whatever that is, it doesn't matter what it is. It's If it's important to you and adds value to you, then mm. go for it. Go mm. for gold. Totally. You know? We just want to kind of explore what those are for us and maybe help you think of what they are for you as well. Yeah, for sure. So we've like very familiar with this idea that rhythms – bring richness and soul and warmth, familiar loveliness into our lives. They help us get where we need to go and enjoy getting there. And I think what we're just sort of like adding into this today is they also help us to be present, to notice and actively listen. They help us to slow down. And in that slowing down and being present, listening to ourselves, observing, that helps us to discover more of what we need or who we are, which I think 
will probably lead to even more helpful rhythms, you know, like, because you might realize, oh, here's a place in my life where I could do with a rhythm to like carry me and hold me in this moment. Here's an opportunity that would benefit from some familiar loveliness. We said it in the trailer as well, the the podcast, that rhythms aren't just for the like really pleasant times in our lives, but times where we need something to carry us. And the, the familiar loveliness is when it's so much more poignant and relevant when we're going through tough stuff, because that knife that has memories for you of childhood of the cutlery set and you know when you're going through a tough time that could save your life I think that's the power of the rhythm in my family we've got a friend going through a season at the moment which is really tough and I know that like a gift has been given to this friend and it's like a practical gift but it's also about like bringing that sense of comfort and withness and so it's becoming part of a rhythm this this object but more than the practical thing it's about almost like that presence of the fat friends being with you so yeah I think yeah thanks for pointing that out I think the key ingredient here for me in your epiphany on the plane it sounds like a mystery novel or something, <laughs> epiphany on the plane um is the fact that you had a time limit yeah as well. that's true so there was a sort of well-defined period of time that you knew that you were going to be disconnected and a key ingredient in that, I think, is this disconnection from devices. Yes. Phone and and what the phone gives you access to. Because not all planes have Wi-Fi, for instance, so you kind of have to prep yourself. I think you talked mm-hmm. about that, right? You kind of have to prep your media loadout before you go into the plane, you know, download your show or whatever. And so I wonder how many people get caught off guard when they forget to do that and they get on the plane and they have no signal and they're just forced to look out the window totally or you download the wrong thing and you're like oh i've already seen this episode yeah. or i'm not in I'm the not, mood. yeah i download the episode 10 totally or i'm not in the yeah. mood for that one or whatever it is and i think that that probably is like the contrast the like extreme contrast is the experience i had that rhythm what well, what could be in our regular lives a rhythm of being slow and present is i think the endless doom scrolling and our our phones our devices it is never ending what they will provide to us, the entertainment and information. Yeah, because apps are designed to do that. They want to keep you on their platform. So you have this infinite loading of new content. It's a sense of constant movement, constant motion. And being forced to stop that really makes you value just how much time potentially you can waste doom scrolling. I think as well... It like trains us to rush through experiences and through life, you know, like because the next reel might be better. It might be funnier or whatever. And I often find like there's a meeting that I have probably every three weeks, which is like a creative brainstorming meeting. And I have to come prepared with creative ideas for this. And a big part of what we like to use are videos. Oh my goodness. I find it so difficult to slow myself down and watch a few three or four minute videos to see whether they would be appropriate. I find it so, so hard. Right, because you've been conditioned now to watch 10, 15 second clips, you know, shorts and reels, and it's so hard to maintain attention now whether we like to or not. And it's not even just in in like consuming media, just in my life, I feel like I'm just rushing and racing and needing to dart all over my workplace all day. And so scrolling helps to perpetuate that feeling and that idea. So again, no wonder it feels so good to be cut off from that, to not be able to get 
where I'm going faster. I was completely cut off from control and from that incoming endless media. And so that's what a rhythm does. If it's not a flight, a daily rhythm or a weekly rhythm, whatever, it takes us away from the rush of the mindless scroll and it brings us into that more meaningful, soulful activity and space. And I think as well, that can help us actually get somewhere. Scrolling doesn't usually get me anywhere. And by the end, like it feels good in the moment, but when I've like stayed up an hour past my bedtime looking at reels, at the end of it, I don't feel good about that. I I think everything in measure and moderation, like it's not that there's no value in it. Agreed. I don't want to like say that there's no value. Oh my gosh. It's like the main way my sisters and I communicate during the day is just by like sending each other. Yeah, like you send memes to each other and reels and things. Yeah, right. It's not a bad thing, but it's more the sense, and we've talked about this concept before, whatever you give your time to is what you value. Mm -hmm. And if that comes into direct conflict with what you want to achieve or what your priorities or your goals are, then that's something worth looking at and not fixing, I guess is the wrong word, but like addressing or confronting. It's not a, a bad thing in that sense, but definitely I think forcing yourself out of any rhythm for a, for a little bit just to see what it's like without noise or without the noise of that rhythm might reveal something even richer. Yes, or to replace something in your life with a more soulful rhythm. So, for instance, in the warmer months, I like to take my cup of coffee out to the deck and sit out there. And I don't bring my phone. I'm not the you know the telly's not on or whatever and I was inspired by this guy Alistair Humphreys he sort of has this idea of a micro adventure which are like these little tiny adventures that you can have every day of your life they don't have to be this big huge once in a lifetime adventure you can adventure just in your every day so talk about a rhythm it was him that inspired this idea of like just have your cup of coffee somewhere out in nature or somewhere interesting a little bit adventurous so I go and sit out on my deck and I stay there until my cup of coffee is finished. I don't rush. And in that moment, I get a little piece of the feeling I had on the plane. My mind goes into that similar place of where I was on the plane of like slowness, mm. presence, listening. It's that romanticizing my life a little bit. I go into that little bit of like dream sort of state. And I think this is an important thing to note as well about rhythms is I think when you're listening to this podcast, it could feel like, oh my gosh, my day is already too full to be adding all these extra things in. But that's not really what we want to be talking about. What we want to be talking about is doing what you need to do, but we're going to find ways to have that slowness, that presence, that loveliness so that we enjoy it more. I think a lot of the rhythms that we're looking for already exist in our everyday. Sometimes, because there's so many distractions, we're not looking for them. Yeah, and I guess maybe, again, that's what makes something a, a rhythm is... Well, no, I think you can have unconscious rhythms, but it is helpful when we become more conscious to them. Like, what I talked about in the last episode, where I have different pieces of media that I listen to in different moments of my day... I was doing that before I consciously chose to do it. But when I realized it, it helped me understand, oh, this is a beautiful rhythm that brings much enjoyment to my life. So yeah, I think you can, probably can have unconscious rhythms, but I think intention around that really helps for it to be soulful. Well, I'm going to be 
far more mindful of when I'm on a plane. Yeah, I've, don't download anything. That's such a good opportunity, though. I love flying. I love planes. I love airports. I love the process. So this has just added a new layer and texture to something that I already like. You know, I already enjoy this process. And now it's just added layer And like a bit, probably what I would like to do next time and a little piece of advice, if you can, is like I was writing these notes for this reflection on my phone throughout that flight. But like I would have loved it even more if I'd had a little notebook in my bag and I was jotting those down like handwritten. I think that that even just slows me down a bit. And that's a rhythm which has been popularized in recent years is the idea of morning pages, writing morning pages. They don't have to be good. It doesn't have to be good writing, but just writing something down. That's a rhythm that some people have because they want to exercise their capacity and their ability to write. And so what could turn that from like an exercise that you have to do into rhythm is like get that lovely pen or that lovely notebook or sit in that beautiful place or have that comforting cup of something or play that instrumental lovely writing music or whatever it is. Put the things around that take it, that elevate it to that familiar lovely level. Yeah, maybe that's the challenge for anyone listening is take some time to have a sort of a mindfulness around. I think travel is a really good opportunity to do it, eh? Like when you're on the bus, maybe once you finish this podcast and give it five stars on your favorite platform, take the headphones out and just listen to the sound of the bus or the engine and the people walking on and maybe tapping their cards, you know, their payment cards and the sound of the doors opening, the sound of traffic and the chatter or lack of chatter and and just be really mindful of the the place that you're in. And I I think that will reveal a lot more about yourself and about what you're listening for than you think. Okay, so I think it's time for us to think about like our upcoming week or two and the rhythms that we might be able to, or things that we want to add in or try in our life. So I think for me, I'm going to go back to what I talked about in our last episode. I said, because of the way that my back is, when I go for my morning walk, I have to listen to a podcast to like help me get through the walk. Good news. Thanks to my physio and just time, my back is improving. That's great. And so I'm like walking with a lot less pain um, and enjoying the walk a lot more. So I think it is going to be my morning walk when I'm going to do that. Not on my phone. Like maybe I don't even take my phone. I might take my phone because I walk in the dark in like an isolated area. So I might take my phone, Mm -hmm. but not put my headphones in. So I'm not tempted to play that music or listen to that podcast. Um, Even sometimes as I'm walking, which is not fair to my dog, I might open up Instagram and have a look. Instead, I want to set aside this time, make this part of the rhythm as doing this slowness, this listening, this presence. I, I did this just at the end of my walk a few days ago. And as I walked up my driveway, I was like looking at the trees along the driveway. And I thought, I feel like I'm in a beautiful park somewhere and that that's where I'm getting to walk my dog. And if I'd been listening to something brushing along, I would not have noticed that. But honestly, I've told several people about how much delight I took from that feeling of being in this beautiful park. I was literally just walking, approaching my house. So yeah, I think that that's one that I'm going to try and commit to. Everything we've just said, I'm going to flip it around. I came across this genre of YouTube video of people who will go to like a location. This one was the Shinjuku district in Tokyo. 
and they just film themselves walking around. Okay. And so there's this like really high definition, high quality um, recording and they just walk around this area for like mm-hmm. an hour. And I actually just found myself like engrossed in it. I didn't even know why. But I, in hindsight with the conversation we have, the idea of using technology to actually be present in another mm. place, I find it really interesting. So I might actually just like enjoy a couple of those and just kind of let my mind wander and pretend that I'm in this part of the world. But also maybe similar to what you're talking about with your walk, except I want to walk in Tokyo. Yeah, I think that's a good point is because we don't want to like demonize technology. But like what you're talking about is that is actually helping you slow down and be present to something. Yeah, because there's no background music. There's no flashy graphics other than what's in front of this person walking. And I found myself looking at lots of different parts of the image and thinking, oh, there's lots of people here with clear umbrellas and you know, oh, that person's like dressed really well. Lots of people are dressed really well. So like your mind wanders and you start to think and make connections and, and you there's a richness yes. to it that if if someone was narrating this to me and telling me what I was looking at and telling me how to feel, it would be a different mm-hmm. experience, but it was me having this sensory experience. So I'll link the one that I watched on our cool. show notes. Um, but that's that's going to be my one. I think I might watch a couple more that's of those. That's fun. I like that we're like completely contrasting as we often are in our ideas, but it's awesome. So I am looking forward, Chris, to continuing our rhythm with our episodes of reflections and conversation. And we are going to be hearing from you next time. So excited for that. You will. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We'd love to have you along with the journey as we pull apart what rhythms mean to us. You can visit us and see our show notes and transcripts and more on itsrhythms.com. Remember, it's R-H-Y-T-H-M-S.com. And follow us on Instagram as well at It's Rhythms Podcast. Can't wait to see you there. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rhythms Podcast. For show notes, episode transcripts and more, remember it's R-H-Y-T-H-M-S That's itsrhythms.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite platform. It really helps us out. We want to hear from you. If there's a rhythm in your life you want us to talk about, or a question you'd like to ask us about this episode or any others, get in touch. You can email us at therhythmspodcast at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram at itsrhythmspodcast. Or if you're listening on Spotify, make sure to use the Q&A feature. See you next time on The Rhythms Podcast.